So do you still, are you full-time in this cleaning business? Uh, no, I'm not actually. So I still am full-time at my W-2. Yeah, so this cleaning business is uh, basically one to two hours a day, which is, you know, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. What do you do in your full-time W-2? Yeah, so I work for a, um, a pretty massive retailer um, here in Arkansas. And I am am kind of an in-house entrepreneur for them, actually. So I work in the in the pets industry uh, for this retailer, and and my job is basically to go out and create new businesses for them. And so that's that's my full time job is I get to be an entrepreneur for my full time job and my side hustle I get to be an entrepreneur. So I kind of have the best of both worlds right now. That's awesome. So do you have any desire to ever leave that W two job? Uh, yeah, I think so, though. I think that my aspiration has always been to be a full-time on my own entrepreneur. Um, so that's always been my goal. And I, I, I took this job um, because I saw it more as a stepping stone of a really safe opportunity to be able to test out entrepreneurship and then see how that goes, but still get that W-2 paycheck. So I think that is the long-term strategy is to eventually uh, go out on my own, but for the moment, uh, super content with my current situation. Okay. And so you've started this business, you jumped into the cleaning space. Yeah. The cleaning, the, space the, <laughs> the cleaning space is, I think on Twitter, it's very, um, it's very overhyped on Twitter. It's a hard business. It's a really challenging business, but I'll kind of give you the, the background of it. Um, so back in, gosh, it was probably, September, maybe even August, uh, I was with my some family and we were watching the show Undercover Billionaires. Have you ever seen that? I can't even remember what TV show it's on, but basically the, the premise of the show is we're going to take these billionaires. So the Grant Cardone was an example, and we're going to drop them in the middle of in the middle of nowhere, United States, um, change their name, change their look and see if they can generate a business, create a business that's worth a million dollars. And I think it's like six months or something like that. Um, and so I was watching this show with my brother-in-law and we were just got really excited about it. He's, he's also entrepreneurial and we were just sitting at his, his, my in-laws house, just watching this show. And we got super excited about it. And we thought we could do something similar. We were like, we're going to do something really similar to this, uh, but on, a, on an accelerated timeline. So we got together with a bunch of friends and we said, Hey, let's start a business from scratch everybody individually it's going to be a competition everyone's going to start their own business from scratch and you've got six weeks and the person that generates the most amount of money in six weeks is going to win this competition from from totally from scratch um and so that's really the start of it it was it was super exciting we did so for the first five weeks i started like three different businesses and made zero money like nothing not a single thing happened in five weeks but the good thing was none of the other people made any money after five weeks either um and so finally i was just on twitter and one of my friends sent me a tweet about starting a cleaning business and i was like okay i gotta do this i've got one week left like i have to win this competition i don't know anything about cleaning business so i literally i set up the website set up a phone number within like four days i had had i got my first cleaner and then literally the day after that, we had our first customer. And so it was a $500 job. I, so the cleaning business had been in existence for literally three or four days. We got a job done, $500. I won the competition on $500 of revenue. And then at that point, it was kind of just, I guess we're doing this. Like, I guess this is real and we're, we're just gonna make it happen because we just kept getting customers, um, which, was, which was really cool. So I won the competition. Um, but really just kind of out of chance to be completely honest with you. The other, the other cool thing that came out of this competition is I had a, another friend that was doing it with us. He started a golf Instagram account where they would just like show how to get cheap tea times for these really cool courses, golf courses. And they're up to over probably up to 120,000 followers now, uh, between Instagram and TikTok. So now they're, he's looking at making that his full-time job as well. So from that tiny competition, we both have like two potentially full-time uh, businesses coming out of that. So that's cool. That is awesome. And before we dive into exactly how you started the cleaning business, take me through that process of the five weeks. What businesses did you start and why did they not work? 
Oh my gosh. I can't even remember what I did. I tried to sell a course. <laughs> I tried to start a course. Um, I was, like I said, I really like my full-time job. Um, and so I tried to start a course about like, how do you land a, how do you land a merchandising role at a top retailer? Like, I think I started to try to, I tried to start a course like that. Um, so in, in retail, um, the merchants are the ones that kind of run the show. The merchants are the people that, that buy the product. They negotiate with the suppliers. They determine what the price is going to be. And then ultimately they put it on the shelf. So at, at this, at this retailer that I work for, you can have a merchant over beans. That's all they buy. That's all they procure is beans. So black beans, pinto beans, refried beans, whatever. And they, it's their job to get the best supply and get the best price for those beans. Um, that's just one example. It's, it's extremely specific in, in the, at this retailer that I work for. And so um, that job being a merchant at one of these retailers is actually a really sought after job. It's really competitive to get one of these jobs. And so I was going to start a course because that, that's what my role is. I'm a merchant uh, at a retailer. So that, that was what my goal is. How do I create a course that helps other people in retail land a merchant job? Um, and so I started that course and I was just going to pre-sale it. But turns out if you don't have an audience for someone to sell to, you're not going to sell anything. <laughs> so I think I even drove some ads to it, but it just made no money at all. Like I, nothing. Um, so thankfully I did not actually build the course. I just trying to pre-sale it. Uh, and then I can't remember what the other thing was. I think I tried to flip a couple of things just to make some cash. Um, but even that didn't work. So it, it just became a kind of a hail Mary last ditch effort to start a cleaning business. Okay. So you get this tweet about starting a cleaning business. Who'd you come across? I'm curious. Oh, Johnny, Johnny Robinson, squeegee God, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And from there, you just, what, read his free content and you're like, this is an opportunity or what? Oh, yeah. So I I, I read his content. Um, I think I just read that one tweet. And in that tweet, it was very specific about if I were starting a cleaning business again today, here's exactly how I would do it. And I just followed it step by step. And I was like, great. Got a website. Got a phone number. I, I think I was able, to, I don't think I was able to start Google local service ads in that time, in that week. Um, but I got a website out. I got started interviewing cleaners. Like I literally followed his tweet step by step. And at the end, what came out of it was a cleaning business for the most part, like just obviously the, 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 the base foundation of it. Um, and so that's really how it started. And then I got my first customer because I had told all my friends that I was starting the cleaning business. Um, so I think when, one stumbling block that a lot of people have when they're starting out in entrepreneurship is, is they're afraid to tell people they like, don't want to tell anybody because they don't want to be embarrassed if it fails. And I was totally in the same camp as well. Um, so I only told like my closest friends and my wife, obviously, but my family, like my parents and nobody really knew that I was doing anything like this. And so I told them my good buddies, uh, that, Hey, I've got a cleaning business and just randomly, and he was at work. Um, sorry, that's actually, it was actually the friend that sent me the tweet. So I, I told him, Hey, I started this cleaning business and he was actually at work and, and overheard one of his coworkers saying that he needed his house cleaned. And then he told his coworker, Hey, my buddy has a cleaning business. You should call him. So this is literally like three days after the cleaning business was set up. I had my first customer. Um, and that all came from telling your friends, telling your family that, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And once you kind of put your stake in the ground, kind of put yourself out there, I think a lot of good things happen after that. Um, but a lot of people are just too afraid to do that because they don't want to be embarrassed if it fails. You bring up such a good point there. I've tried to start so many different businesses, especially in my 20s. And I finally got to the point to where like after a couple of them failed, I was in that same perspective or that same headspace like i just don't even want to tell my family or my friends yeah. that i'm starting this because they're just going to think oh austin's just doing something else and he's you know crazy uh yeah and so you felt that too early on oh absolutely yeah i think um i think there's a lot of um i don't think it's shame but i think it's like just embarrassment or like just lack of self-confidence in in all entrepreneurs right and all people that are trying to be ambitious that prevents them from talking about it because they don't want the the, the feeling of failure right like they don't want to say like oh logan 
tried to do this thing and he failed look how stupid he is or like look how dumb he is or like he clearly not talented right like so i think everybody has that fear um but i think the biggest thing to kind of get over that is nobody cares right like nobody is looking at you and thinking what an idiot like that's just not that's just not a thing if you i mean you could think about it from your own perspective if you hear about a friend that's starting a business and then it fails like what would your reaction be your reaction would not be like what an idiot your reaction would be like good for him right like he tried something that's pretty cool right so once you like change your perspective and realize that nobody's thinking about you like you're thinking about you it's totally different i agree with you 100 percent. it's such a great realization whenever you just remind yourself that nobody actually really cares yeah. we're, we're all selfish human beings yeah and at the end of the day if you have this entrepreneurial drive which i do which you do i know other people listening have this where i've come to the conclusion is that drive is never going to go away but nobody actually nobody else actually cares my, my wife doesn't even care, right? My wife could care less if I start businesses or work a W-2 job. This yeah. is something that's like inherently driven by my internal ambition. And it's something that I have to just satisfy. And it sounds like you're in the same boat. And I think a lot of un other entrepreneurs are the same way as well. But I'm curious to dive deeper on, like whenever you acknowledge that and you made the decision to start telling people that, Hey, I am doing a cleaning business. Like what changed there? Like, excuse me. Why do you think that changed the outcome of like starting to get work? Um, yeah, good question. I think it's because you like, there is this great, um, great tweet about something like this. I can't remember exactly what this said, but the essence was like, we're afraid we're afraid to tell people or we're afraid to go all in because then people will know we gave it our best effort and like if you're like half in half out you can always fall back on oh but i didn't try very hard or like i wasn't really serious about it and that's kind of a cop out to let you feel better about your failure but the reason people don't go all in is because then they have to admit to themselves and to others like yeah i did give it my best effort and this was the result Whereas people can kind of like, you know, half in, half out. Anyway, so I think once you go all in and you're able to say like, look, I am starting a cleaning business or I am starting a land services business or anything like that, you kind of tie yourself to that. And then it really is all on you, right? Like it really is up to you to see it succeed or not. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what I think the change is, is you really commit yourself to, okay, no, I have to make this work because I just told, you know, everybody, my in-laws know about it now. So now I have to make it work, right? Yes, I 100% agree. So you tell, you start telling people, you get your first job, where does the business go from there? Yeah, so I started telling people, um, you know, was still <laughs> pretty shy about it. So I didn't like, you know, blast it on my socials. And that's because I also work at W2, right? Like I also have a full-time job. So I do need to be cognizant of that. and what's my boss going to see? What's my boss going to think if he like, Hey, I hear you're doing, you know, doing a cleaning business. Are you still working full time? Like what's going on? So I was trying to be cognizant of that and, um, make sure I was, you know, following the rules of my company, which, which I've tried really hard to do. Um, but then I just started getting running ads. Right. So I think the first couple of clients were word of mouth. And then I started running ads, um, and Google local services ads are really, really powerful. They take a long time to get set up, um, but they, so, so for example, they require five reviews, right? So you have to get insurance for your business. You have to have a website, you have to do a background check and you have to get five reviews. Um, well, that's probably the real, that's the hardest part when I talk to new cleaning business or new service business entrepreneurs is how do I get those first five reviews? Um, that's a really big challenge for a lot of people. And I'll, I'll tell you exactly how I got my first five reviews because I think it's helpful um, for people who are in this kind of same boat. So the first cl cleaning customer that we had um, was a landlord who their tenants were moving in and new tenants were moving in and those new tenants came into the house and saw, thought this place is really dirty. So we need to get this cleaned. Okay, so that new landlord called me, obviously I did the job. He left me a review. 
the husband of the tenant left me a review. The wife of the tenant, uh, the the wife, the, I guess the female tenant left me a review as well. So that was three reviews. And then I had a really good buddy that just like out of the blue also left me a review. And then I did one more job and got my fifth review. So I think a lot of people get stuck on that. They start a cleaning business or they start some sort of service business and they want to run Google local services ads, but they can't get those five reviews. And at that point, it really is all a word of mouth. It really is all word of mouth. You have to put yourself out there in order to get, you know, five reviews, get your first couple of customers, and then you can start the business. A lot of people think they can just run ads and start a business. That's not necessarily the case because you have no credibility, right? You have no reason that somebody should click on that ads and that ad and trust your business. So if you're able to put yourself out there, do a little bit of word of mouth marketing, um, get some credibility behind you, you know, get five reviews at least. And then I think people start to trust you and then you can kind of, then you're kind of off to the races. Yes. That's something Bodie and I were talking about in the last podcast episode was like, just getting those first reviews are so important. And there's just a level of like getting out there, getting the work to your point, telling people you're in the, in the business and then making sure that you deliver that five-star service, like doing whatever it takes possible. So how did you ensure on those first cleans? Cause you're subbing everything out, right? Like all your cleaners are subcontractors. So how do you ensure that they deliver five-star service right out of the gate? Oh, I was super hands-on. I was annoyingly hands-on. I mean, I think I was too much <laughs> because I mean, the, we got that first customer, man, I must've texted or called that cleaner probably three or four times to confirm, Hey, you're going to be here, right? Like you're, you're signed up for this. Um, you're definitely going to be here. So that was, you know, that was stressful. And I was really in, in, intentional about, you know, making sure that I really cared that they knew that I really cared about this job. So I probably annoyed them. Um, but then I went to the customer's house before the cleaning and I went to the customer's house after the cleaning, like I was very involved in the process. And at that point, I still knew nothing about cleaning, right? Like I didn't know how to quote the job out. I didn't know what the checklist was supposed to be like, like I was three days in, so I didn't know anything. So I really relied on those cleaners to make sure that they were good uh, and they knew what they're doing. But I, I called the customers afterward. Like I made sure everything was good. If they said anything was wrong, I offered to go back and you know fix it or have the cleaners go back and fix it. So I was really, really intentional. Uh, that was my my first customer. Even my second customer, like I went over there, I did an onsite quote there. I got to know her, got to know why she fired her last cleaners. Like really wanted to understand what she was looking for. Then I had to communicate with those cleaners to make sure they understood. Like I was really really hands on at the beginning. Um, the, the the first time we cleaned our second customer's house, our cleaner forgot a mop. Didn't have a mop, and like that's like pretty crazy that the cleaner wouldn't bring a mop. Um, and so I, I think I left work. I think I left work and ran to the store, bought a mop and dropped it off to her. Like I was really, really intentional about making sure those first couple of cleans went really, really well, because if you start off your business and you've got, you know, five, five star reviews and one, one star review, like that's not great. You got to really kill it. Your first couple of reviews, um, or just people aren't going to trust you. So how did you find those first subcontractors? Yeah, um, that's that's a good question too. I think that's probably outside of getting your first couple of customers, the biggest challenge with a, and I'm going to say service business, but I'm talking specifically about cleaning business because that's my experience, is getting your first subcontractors, right? Finding good sub subcontractors is really, really difficult. And so what I did was I've got a church. My church has a, has a Facebook group just for our local area. Um, and so I went onto that Facebook group and I said, Hey, I'm looking for a cleaner. Um, I didn't like mention, like I'm starting a cleaning business. I didn't mention like what I, what the purpose of me asking this was, I just said, Hey, I just, I'm looking for a good cleaner. Does anybody have any recommendations? And from that, I got probably five or six cleaners that I could contact and then go out and approach them and say, Hey, this is what I'm trying to do. Are you interested? Um, but that's another thing. People are just afraid when they're starting out. People are afraid to just post on Facebook groups and just say, hey, I'm looking for this. Um, or people don't know what Facebook groups to look in or people don't know like where to where to start. Um, if you're looking for good subcontractors, like I really would say every town that you're in, 
every city that you that you live in has a Facebook group that's called, you know, residents of XYZ city, right? So if you live in, I don't know, if you live in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is where I live, there is there are so many Facebook groups that are just called residents of Bentonville or like the citizens of Bentonville, Arkansas, right? Something stupid like that. Those Facebook groups are gold mines for finding subcontractors, for finding potential customers. Go in there, post about what you're doing, what, what you're looking for. So that's what I did. I posted in my church Facebook group, got five or six names, called all of them, did a test clean on that first one. Literally the day after that test clean, I had my first customer. So it was it was really pretty fast, but that's how I found my first my first subcontractor. Oops, I think we had a connection issue there. We oh. we lost the last piece of that. Sorry. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Yeah. So I, w I mean, I was just saying. Um, it, that's how I found my first subcontract. It was just going through Facebook groups and just looking, say, hey, I'm looking for a recommendation uh, for a cleaner. Does anybody have any, any recommendation? And you can do the same thing for any type of service business, right? If you're starting a lawn care company, you could just post, hey, I'm looking for like a good landscaping crew, right? Like, or window washing. I'm looking for a good window washing crew. Like these people, this kind of goes back to my earlier point. When you're trying to start a service business or you're trying to be entrepreneurial, don't overcomplicate it. Like, don't like think there's some magic formula that you have to like abide by to get to where you want to go. Like, it's really simple uh, and just don't overcomplicate it. I think that's kind of the biggest takeaway there. Yes, I think you hit a good point right there. Just don't overcomplicate it. Um, and there are no rules in this game. Like, that's the coolest part about entrepreneurship is you get to create your own rules. And if you think of a new creative way, to go find that subcontractor, go try it. Like the worst that can come out of it is you don't get any replies on that post, right? And yeah. you're not even putting yourself out there in a sense that you're a business owner. You're just saying, hey, I'm looking for a cleaner in a Facebook group. So I'm seeing a recurring trend in people I talk to about utilizing Facebook groups. Um, some other people I've talked to have utilized Facebook Marketplace, but even more specifically Craigslist. Mm -hmm. Craigslist. Um, and, and I actually tried this last week because I'm getting some leads outside of my normal service area. Um, and so I actually tried this in the excavation space just to see if it would work. So I went to Craigslist and I just typed in excavation in the services page. And what I was looking for was all the people who were posting about those services. You can very quickly find the people who already have a business and who are already doing the marketing because they'll have the pictures, they'll have their truck wrapped. Um, yeah. You don't want to call those people, but I did right. have some luck with just the one-off solo owner operator guy. It's like, hey, we offer digging in X area, and then he signs his name off Jeff or whatever, George, right? Yeah. Those are the types of people, at least that I was calling, and I had some good luck over this last week. So I I probably have like three different subcontractors on the front range now who I want to test out on new jobs. Um, so that's another idea. Facebook groups, I'm hearing from people like you, Craigslist. Yeah, just leverage those platforms for anybody who's listening, especially in the early days. Um, and what I'm also learning is there are plenty of people out there who do not enjoy the marketing, who do not enjoy doing the sales. And if you like doing this kind of stuff, you can actually add value and help that person. I, I talked to this subcontractor yesterday and he's slow on work. That's just, that just blows my mind because we have so much work right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're actually helping that person if you're bringing them leads. And I'm sure you've yeah. felt the same way in, in some of your subcontractor relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would even say one of our top cleaners, um, she is, she's amazing. She actually owned her own cleaning company in Hawaii. So she owns her own company. She's from Tennessee originally. She sells her cleaning company. Like this is a legit cleaning business. She sells her cleaning company, moves to Arkansas to be closer to family. And she applies to work with us because we're also running, you know, we have job postings on Indeed as well. And so she applies to work with us. And she tells me, she's like, look, I don't want to market anymore. I don't want to sell anymore. I don't want to manage cleaners anymore. I just want to be a cleaner. Like I just want to show up, get the job done and go home. 
And I think that, and so we, she's been working with us for now for like almost, almost six months now. But I think people like that, that they truly just want to do the work and they don't want to deal with marketing. They don't want to deal with sales. They don't want to have to remit taxes to the state. Like they don't want to do those entrepreneurial administrative business things. And they just want to come in and get the job done. Like those are really great people that you should be targeting and that you should be working with for sure. And so finding them on Craigslist, finding them on Facebook marketplace. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's great. But I, I wanted to ask you, I know that, um, I'm sorry if I, I thought, sorry if you've already covered this in previous episodes, but how did you get your first customers? Like what was your, what was your first customer acquisition strategy? How did you go about it? So I'm actually doing some posts on Twitter right now where I'm going back to my album that I've created of all the photos of our jobs. And okay. I'm basically just like creating a story from the very beginning. And so it's interesting you ask this because I just got to the part I kind of got past the whole first equipment purchases and whatnot. And then now I was writing the tweet before I jumped on this about how I got the first job. And so um, after I had already set up my rental equipment, I had purchased a trailer and I bought a work truck. Then I went down the road. There were some neighbors who were breaking ground on a new build. I found out who the builder was on that. I got his contact info. I called him. I said, hey, I've got a skid steer. I'm in the local area. I know these local excavating contractors are all super busy. If you ever have anything on any of your projects that just need like cleanup or uh, just odd jobs that I can help you out with on as a skid steer operator, like just give me a call. And he's like, mm -hmm. well, actually, we need some dirt at that project. And so I was like, great, I'll go find you dirt. So I like drove around, went to some other uh, builds in the area found people who were excavating i'm like hey do you have somewhere for this dirt because a lot of times in excavation you have export and you have import right whenever you're digging a foundation out sometimes you don't have a place for that dirt so you got to haul it off so it's actually helping another excavation contractor if you can go find a place or find a home for that dirt so i went i made a deal on the dirt i went found a trucking subcontractor, had him truck the dirt over to this project. And then I just literally charged this guy. I think I charged him a hundred bucks an hour on my first job to, to, and that was for my labor and the equipment time as well. So all I did was source product for him and yeah. moved the product for him. And then once the product was there, I moved that dirt where it needed to go on the project. And I think it was like 925 bucks. So that was like my first project. Wow. I did it quick. I literally did it after hours. I remember being out there till like midnight one night cause I was building my house at the same time. And I sent him an invoice on Jobber. He was like super impressed that he could pay online. He's like, nobody's yeah. doing this around here. Um, and he basically told me, he's like, dude, I think you could build a business just off of doing these like small dirt work projects. Like I get calls all the time for driveways. Like people who are in the excavation business aren't going to come to a one-off residential driveway project. And I'm like, sweet, man, just give me a call anytime you need it. Um, so that was my first job. I think that's, I mean, that's, first of all, that's awesome. I think you did something really interesting there when you had that phone call with that contractor. Um, you said like, if you ever have any other other jobs, like give me a call. I think the challenge that people have with cold calling is they think that they're supposed to sell their services on that call, like immediately. Like, do you have any jobs for me right now that you can that you can staff me on? That's not the point of cold calling, right? When you cold call a business, when you cold call to try to get some information or a potential deal, your only job out there is to to let them know who you are that you're available and that if they ever want to give, if they ever need somebody that you're available. So when I do cold calls, my purpose is just to say, Hey, I want to give you a quote, like, just so you know what our prices are. Like, I'm not trying to win your business right now. Like I'm not trying to like take over all your cleaning contracts. And you probably had the same thought process. I'm just trying to let you know who I am. This is what I do. And if you ever need anything, like I'm here. So I think you had a, that's a really interesting point that you had on that cold call of you weren't trying to sell immediately. You're just trying to get yourself out there right so yes logan we agree a hundred percent on that mindset um i think some people talk themselves out of cold call out of cold calling because they tie themselves to an outcome it's like you yeah. hit the nail on the head your goal whenever you cold call is 
not to close that deal right then and there. It's just simply to implant your name and your business into their mind. Yeah. And something I tell them all the time, hey, I know you have your relationships with your local excavation contractors. I'm not trying to steal that relationship from you. What I'm trying to do is let you know that if they can't get to you on a certain project, just give me a call and I'll give you a quote on that. Or if they need supplementation on something and they can't move you dirt, just give me a call because I'm willing to hustle. I'm early on in my business, so I'm willing to do the dirty work early on. Um, and they respect that too. They'll, they'll respect that and think like, oh, this guy's not just trying to sell me something, right? Like they'll just respect like, oh, this is a fellow business owner. This is great to have this connection. Like I like this kid, right? Like it, I think if you come off from that approach, like you're going to win so many more contracts, right? Absolutely. And the same applies. And I did a, I think I did a tweet about this um, or maybe I did a blog post about it, but I, I believe the same applies whenever you're door knocking or handing out flyers. It's like mm -hmm. doing door to door sell sales. The goal isn't to like tie yourself to the outcome and sell the jobs. When you're starting a small business, I believe that whenever you create this brand, your goal is to get that brand in front of as many people as possible. And then it simply just becomes a math equation. Just like a website, if you get a thousand visitors to your website and you have an offer at the bottom, there's going to be a certain percentage of people who convert out of those visitors. The same in small business, if you hand out a thousand flyers and you have an offer, you don't need to sell them right then and there. If you knock on the door, say, hey, my name's Austin, I have a local excavation tree service business. If you ever need any cleanup on your property, just give me a call in the future. Or if you know any neighbors who need uh, these services, feel free to hand out a couple flyers to my neighbor, to your neighbors as well, right? You're increasing just exposure at that point. And then that comes back around at a later date and your conversion rate starts happening. And yeah. so on the head there, it, the goal is not to sell the people immediately. It's just to simply get your name out there. That is a, it's a much different conversation you have with that customer. The difference is like, do you have a job that I can do for you right now? And it feels very pushy and catches them off guard. And they probably don't think very highly of you after that versus if you ever have any jobs in the future, let me know. Right. Like that's a totally different. And me as a homeowner, right. If I get somebody that knocks on my door and is trying to sell me, you know, solar panels right now, right this second, like it's a total turnoff for me. Right. Like, I'm sitting down for dinner or I'm watching a show. Like the last thing I want to be thinking about right now is solar panels or like landscaping or something. But if they say, Hey, I just want to let you know who I am. If you ever want to get solar panels, or if you're ever thinking about this, give me a call. Then I leave that conversation and actually do start to think about it. Right. As opposed to being totally turned off by the hard sales pitch right there. So, yeah, I think, I think that's awesome. I think that's a really great takeaway. Yes. And I guess just one more point to, kind of wrap that topic up it's the difference in like hey i'm here to make a quick buck off of you as a homeowner yeah. and hey i'm here a local in the area my business is here to stay we're building a great team and if you ever need help let us know in the future yeah it feels yeah. more like a partnership than a transactional thing right so yeah that's that's awesome for that's sure so something i want to dive back into logan and where we left off on the story is you said you got to get your first five-star reviews to do local search ads. Yeah. Talk me through local search ads on Google. I've never used them. Can you teach them to me? Like, yeah. like give me the 101 course on it here. Yeah, sure. So, um, so Google LSA local services ads are for businesses who, you know, obviously offer a service business. But so when you search any type of company, so if you're on Google right now and you search, let's take cleaning company. Um, if you search cleaning companies near me, you're going to see some listings in your Google Maps that have green check marks. And so what those green check marks rec uh, represent is those are Google guaranteed businesses. So Google, so those business owners have gone through the work, have jumped through all of Google's hoops to prove that they are a worthy or worthwhile business and a trustworthy business, okay? So if you want that green check mark, those, are, those represent that you're a Google guaranteed business. So you have to do a background check. You have to prove that your business has insurance. 
um, you have to get five, at least five reviews. Um, gosh, there might be something else. I think those are the big things though. Do a background check, have insurance, and at least have five reviews. If you get past, jump through all those hoops, Google will say that you're a guaranteed business. And so I think the premise is if you're a customer and you call a Google guaranteed business and you have a bad experience, I think Google will refund you the money or, or something like that. But for a business owner, it's really, really key to get that because a customer will, will see that and you're often the first listing, right? You've got that Google guaranteed badge. And so these are all service companies. So cleaning companies can do it. Landscaping companies can do it. Uh, painting businesses can do it. Like any type of service business could do this. Um, you're the first se selection. It's pretty expensive. So a customer will see that number. Google will generate a fake number. So it's not your actual number that they're calling. They'll generate a fake number so that they can track all of these calls. Um, that customer will call this number. It will patch through to your phone. If you answer it, you getting charged. Google will charge you a lead fee for that. And it, it at the very beginning, it was like $25 a lead. So I was paying $25 for all these cleaning leads, but like that was like awesome. I mean, that was like three, four X um, return on that. So that was great. But Google has since upped it quite a bit. And now it's like $65 a lead, which is like, which is pretty expensive. Um, so Google, you know, will track all these leads. You're able to specify like what zip codes I want to advertise in. You're able to really curate exactly what services you offer. Um, and so it's great. I actually don't use them anymore. Um, I haven't run local service ads for probably two or three months now because my business model has changed quite a bit. We can talk, talk through that as well. Um, but starting out, that was my number one source of leads. Gosh, probably eight high percentage, 80, 90% of my leads were from local services ads because I was the first one in Bentonville. There's probably only two or three other companies running local services ads that had that guaranteed badge. So I was getting, depending on my budget, I was getting probably two, three calls a day um, for, for, for quotes. And so that was a really awesome, I don't know how it is now. Like I said, I haven't been using it for two, three months, but at the beginning, that was kind of a gold mine. Uh, that was really, really awesome. So not all good things uh, last, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, I've heard, I haven't done a ton of research on this, but I have seen some people tweeting like local search is dead or you know certain things like that for right now. But I'm curious what year or how long ago was that whenever you were doing local search ads? Well, I wanna make a distinction. So there, you're, you're, so there's Google search ads and then there's Google services ads. So there's, those are two different things. So search ads are, you're, you're incentivizing people to click on your website. So that's a search ad is when I, when I type in, you know, uh, tree removal service near me, uh, and I see an ad at the top of the page and I click on that and that takes me to their website, that's a search ad. Uh, a services ad is specifically to, to call them. So your only option is to give them a call. And so you can't go to their website, you can't find out any other information. You just see the reviews and you call them. So that's a, that's a services ad and that's got that green guaranteed badge, unless they've changed it recently. Um, so I, I totally missed your question. What was your question? <laughs> I was actually going to Google right now, just see if there was any, like see if we could get some examples of real time right now. Yeah. Um, my question was, how long ago was that when oh, yeah. you were using local search ads? Excuse me, uh, local service ads, right? Yeah, yeah, services. Yeah, local. Services. Yeah, sorry. So I think I I confused you there by saying search. Um, LSA meaning local services ads, right? This is specifically yeah. what we're talking about. Completely different than Google Ads or AdWords. Yeah, you've got you've got search ads, right? So you've got Google Search. And that is just your, the goal of Google search is for you to click on a website, right? The goal, goal of local services ads is for you to call them. So two different things. If you're in a services business, you 100% want them to call you because then you can give them a quote and do your thing. If you're running like a software or doing like some SaaS company or, or maybe some, I don't know, a, a, a different internet based company, you know, obviously it works both for services businesses as well, but that's more of the click. You want to drive clicks. Um, so I was doing this when I started the business in September of last year. So 2022, 
and I was running local services ads all the way up until probably, probably September of this year of 2023. So I ran those for a year. Um, I paid Google a lot of money, but I got a lot of really good leads. And that was 90% of my business um, at the very beginning was, was just local services ads. Now it's zero. Now I don't spend any money on marketing right now, um, which is probably a bad thing, but I don't spend any money on marketing. All of my, all of my leads now come from word of mouth because um, we've got a really good reputation in, in the area where, where I live. So um, yeah, that's, that's how I started out. That was local services ads. Okay, can you talk us through the conversion and the economics of the local ser service ads? So you said $25 per lead. Used to be, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and at that point, like what was your average job size that you were getting from that? Yeah, so if we talk through that, so um, the average lead was $25 and then at the beginning, and then you were probably closing hopefully 50% of those. Um, so you had to pay $50 to get a job, right? So if you're paying, if you're if you're closing 50% and you're paying $25 a lead, one customer is going to cost you $50, you know, roughly. And then if that job is, let's say the job's only $100. Okay, well, then you now have to pay that cleaner. From my perspective, I pay 50-50 split. So I get 50% of the, the job, the cleaners get the other 50%. So let's say the job is $100. If I paid $50 for a lead and then I charge a customer $100 and then I have to pay that cleaner $50, well, I just broke even, right? So I paid $50 for the lead and I only profited $50 on that job. I just broke even, right? That's not a winning formula, especially when your local services ads increase the way that they have been. And so that is the downfall of local services ads, in my opinion is those leads got so expensive that if you weren't closing a really high percentage of those leads, you were kind of losing money on those, unless they turned into recurring customers. But if it was a one-time job and like it wasn't very big, you were basically just gonna break even on those. So the way that local services ads really makes you money in the long run is getting recurring customers. Because yeah, I might break even on that first job, but if that customer comes back to me every other week or at least once a month, I'll make money on this, but I'll, I'll lose money or break even at the beginning. And that's an investment that I'm totally willing to make. Um, the hard part was if this is a small job and it's just a one-time clean and I'm just going to break even because I still have to pay my cleaner. That's not, you know, that's not a great formula. Did you take those jobs early on just to get reviews? So the, the challenge is if you... Google Google is really smart, uh, obviously, and I hate them for this. If you answer the phone or you make any contact with that customer at all, they will charge you. Google charges you. Um, so because they generate a fake phone number, they're recording every phone call. So they'll listen to that phone call. If you if the customer calls you, you answer the phone, you got charged immediately. Doesn't matter. The only way that you cannot get charged for that is if the customer calls you, does not leave a voicemail, does not text you, you do not call them back, you made zero contact with that customer, then you're not gonna get charged. But as soon as you contact or reach out to that customer or anything like that, Google will charge you. Um, the other thing is the only other way you can get out of being charged by local services ads is if they call you and they're like, hey, I'm looking for window washing and you only offer carpet cleaning, like then Google's not gonna charge you because that's not your business. But other than that, you're getting charged. So if I had a customer that called me through local services ads, and even if they wanted to do a small job, I would still take that job because I knew I was already out 25 bucks or 35 bucks for that lead. So I knew that I was already out. So I might as well try to break even as opposed to just throwing 35 bucks out the window. Okay, that makes sense. What is your average job size right now? So I can speak to my business has changed quite a bit um, over the past just three, four months. Um, maybe I'll kind of talk through that. But right now, my average biz, my average job size right now is $180, I think, revenue. Yeah. And are you servicing residential customers only right now? So I 
I that's the change. Yeah, so I am only doing Airbnb cleans now. Um, so I went through a, a period of transition in my business where I really wanted to focus on just Airbnb. Um, and that's a whole, whole long story there. But so right now it's just Airbnb customers. And I'm assuming the change is because you get recurring clients. There is, there's quite a few factors. Um, so at a certain point in my business, we were doing all types of cleans. We were doing, we had residential customers. We had Airbnb customers. We were cleaning a mini hotel. We were cleaning a clubhouse. So it was like almost kind of a commercial clean. Uh, we had quotes for office spaces. We were doing all types of cleans. Um, and this is something that I've become recently really passionate about now is I think that's fine at the very beginning to start out and to accept every job, right? Cause you're just trying to make a buck. You're just trying to get the business to survive. It's fine to accept every type of clean. And then, um, but there comes a certain point where you're too stretched thin, you're stretched too thin. Things are starting to fall through the cracks because you have so many different types of services that you offer that you're not, your staff isn't really trained on all of these, but you have to like, Hey, here's this checklist for this clubhouse that we clean. Oh, and here's a different checklist for this hotel that we clean. Oh, and then here's a different checklist for Airbnb and residential. And it just, become, it just becomes kind of a nightmare. Um, so it was, it was really stressful for me as the business owner to kind of keep all that organized. But our cleaners were also like, Hey, why, why, why do I have like 10 different checklists here? And what am I supposed to do with all this information it became really stressful. And so there, there came a certain point, uh, I think it was um, August or September of this year, where I said, I am only going to accept Airbnb jobs. Going forward, I'm just going to do Airbnb. And there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, um, it is the most challenging. It is 100% hands down the most challenging type of clean that you can do. Um, there's logistics involved. You've got strict deadlines of customers checking in that same day. You've got to do laundry. You've got to replenish supplies. Like what happens if something is stained? Well, you have to do the stain removal and then replace the linens. Like logistically, it is really, really challenging. Where the residential clean, you just come in and clean. And if the linens are stained, it's not your problem, right? Like that's residential. Airbnb, you've got to get all of this done by 4 p.m. because that's when the guest is coming. So number one, it's really, really challenging. And so I knew I'd have less competition and I could completely dominate this space because I could create a business that was fully suited for Airbnb. The second thing is my I looked at my customers and I thought, who's, who's the customer that's paid me the most money since I started my business? And it was an Airbnb customer. Um, and so I thought, okay, that's great. My, my biggest customer is an Airbnb customer. And then I also looked at my cleaners and I thought, who, who are my best cleaners? My best cleaners were also Airbnb cleaners. Like that's the job. Those are the jobs that they wanted to do were Airbnb cleans. And so I said, okay, it's the hardest business. So I'm going to have less competition. My biggest customer is an Airbnb owner. This way pays me for Airbnb jobs. And my best cleaners are Airbnb cleaners. That's what I'm going to go tackle. I'm going to go do that and create a name for myself in this space. And I, totally stopped accepting every other type of job. So I still have four or five residential customers that we service, but I don't accept any other jobs unless it's Airbnb, which is why I turned off local services ads. But the interesting thing that happened about that when I made that switch, when I made that transition was customers then started to recognize us for something, right? So as opposed to this is just a typical cleaning company, I don't really know what they do. Now it's a, this is an Airbnb cleaning company. And in fact, it's the only one in the area and it happens to be really, really good. So it, the, you completely, I completely switched the narrative to make it so that our business had a brand and was known for something. And since then I've been able to stop marketing and everything is word of mouth right now because we've developed a reputation for just being the best Airbnb cleaning company in our area. It is such a great point that you make there. And it's a big topic yeah. of question whenever you're starting a business. Do you generalize or do you specialize? And it sounds like you and I agree in the beginning. You got to take what you can get in the beginning. Yeah. But as your business develops, and it sounds like you, this was like a very thoughtful decision to specialize like what impact do you think that this decision is going to have on your business based on what's happened so far 
Oh, I think it's going to be huge. Um, I really do. I'm pretty optimistic about it. So our business, you know, took a dip in revenue for sure. Um, when I made this change, so I took, I took a hit, um, because we were still getting residential leads that were coming in. Right. But I, I was really firm. It was almost like I read, um, this is kind of a silly reference, but I read green lights by Matthew McConaughey, um, his autobiography. And it was really fascinating. He talks about how he was really known for rom-coms, right? Like everybody knows who Matthew McConaughey is. Like he just only did rom-coms, how to lose a guy in 10 days, like that kind of movie. And then at a certain point in his career, he said, no, I only want to do serious acting roles. And so he was getting offers for, you know, $1 million to do this rom-com movie. He said, no, $2 million to do this rom-com movie. He said, no, I think he had an offer for $10 million to do a rom-com movie, but he was so dedicated to just becoming a serious actor and just doing serious drama films that he was turning down these rom-com offers because he really wanted to be known for one thing going forward. And that was not rom-coms. And so I like, I read that book. It's a really good book, but I also kind of like, that's kind of how I felt. I was turning down residential jobs because I wanted to be known for something. I wanted to be known for Airbnb cleaning and I'm going to master that space. Um, and so I felt kind of stupid, honestly, turning down deep clean jobs for two, 300 bucks, 400 bucks, because I said, no, I'm only going to do Airbnb cleans. And so our business did take a hit for sure. So if you look at our revenue numbers, we definitely dipped uh, end of summer, early fall. But I think that is going to absolutely pay dividends because we are now known for something. We have a really strong brand. And I think that that's just going to continue to snowball, right? If we, if we had kept doing all types of cleans, people wouldn't be able to distinguish us from any other cleaning company out there, right? But you need to kind of put your, put your flag and, you know, stake put your stake in the ground and say this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to be known for and i think it's going to be really really big for us logan i respect that decision i really do because i'm right in the middle of that thought process right now our company is called bear claw land services i specifically chose land services in the beginning because i didn't know where the demand was similar yeah. to you you didn't know that airbnb you may have had a gut instinct that it could be that, but in the beginning, your goal was to get reviews, to get jobs, to get revenue rolling so that you could start building the relationships with the subs. But I'm right in the middle of that decision, Logan. I'm, we've got several different services that are significant portions of our revenue. And what I'm trying to make a decision on is do we just plant that flag, like you said, and go all in on that and specialize. And so it's really encouraging to hear that you said, Hey, you know what, I'm making a long-term decision here. In the short term, we're gonna see a revenue dip, but you know it's going to pay dividends long-term. And so I'll be very interested to continue this conversation. You know, it's December 30th right now, 2023. I'll be interested to see where you end up December 30th, 2024, and what that curve looks like. Was this a, was this a good decision? <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. yeah. My question for you on that subject is, did you do anything specific to your brand or your website or your like or your marketing material that reflected that change? I changed everything. Yeah, I, I changed everything but the name, right? I, I really said like, this is what I'm going to do. Like I was pretty stubborn about it. I felt really strongly that this was the right decision. Um, and so I changed everything. I changed our, you know, you know, under the business name, you have kind of like your, your, your slogan. I don't know what you want to call it, like what you guys do. So it used to be, you know, company name, uh, res like cleaning company, something like that. And now it's company name, vacation rental cleaning company. Like it is very specific in my logo. You'll, you'll, in my logo, you'll see it in the, um, the slogan there completely redid my website to only drive to Airbnb customers. Um, even my Google, my business page, my Google, my business profile, I updated that to say only, res only vacation cleans, vacation rental cleans. So yeah, I did everything. I changed all of my copy on my website. Um, all of the, you know, I don't know how to get, I don't know all the technical terms for it, but all the descriptions under my website landing page, when you Google it, I changed everything. I was really pretty stubborn about like, no, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to 
pretend like tomorrow that's all we've ever done is just vacation rental cleaning. So yeah, it was pretty, uh, it was a pretty full facelift. That's amazing. Yeah. What is your website? So my website is uh, bonnieandabroom.com. So that's that's kind of a funny story, but yeah, but it's called bonnieandabroom.com. And so it is, uh, Bonnie is my grandma. <laughs> Bonnie is the name of my grandma and I'm actually in her house right now for the holidays. And uh, growing up, she, uh, this actually kind of comes full circle, but she was really focused on, she loved cleaning. Uh, she told me one time, Logan, I don't care who you marry as long as she knows how to clean. Like that was her, that was her famous quote. So it's kind of a nod to her that my company is named after her. That's awesome. I love the personal touch there. But yeah, so I just went to your website and Logan does have everything updated on his website. Vacation rental cleaning in his logo. Um, you know, the hero image and text says want more five-star reviews for your airbnb so it's calling out the direct customer he's also got um, the text inside the browser uh, what do you call that a header tag airbnb uh, cleaning pros in northwest arkansas so yeah he has made the change here and uh, i think what we should do logan is we should have you back on six months to a year from now and you should share how that see how this is going yeah how that yeah. has affected your revenue numbers for the record if people are listening to this and they go to my website i am not proud of my website i i did this all myself uh through booking koala i am not a graphic designer or a ux designer or anything like that so don't don't come onto my website and think it's the gold standard because it is definitely not <laughs> well you're not works. a tech company no, definitely not a tech company. So that is the cool thing about a service business. It's like you need a website that converts and that has some local SEO behind it. You know, has service pages with information that say what you do, but it doesn't have to be pretty. No, and it is definitely not. <laughs> I think one day I'd like it to be, but you know, customers aren't coming on my website to find like the next Facebook, right? They're coming on my website to find a cleaning company. So it's a little bit different. Dude, I think your website is great. It's straight to the point. It's clean. It's clear exactly what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I also think like, I mean, it's just such a good example of you did a six week business challenge. In week five, or at the end of week five, you started this cleaning company and you did it in a week. It's impressive, man. Like the fact that you just moved fast and got over those obstacles early on. I feel like so many people get hung up on like, oh, well, I need a website and I don't know how to build it. I don't have money to pay someone to do it. It's like, oh, shoot. And that's where they stop. Or yeah. to your point, like they get caught up in the, I don't want to tell anybody that I'm starting this business. So they don't end up telling anybody and then they don't get, end up getting any customers. And I think you're such a good example of what starting a business can look like. You literally did this in a week. You got your first customer in a week. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the, that's the I talked to a lot of people. I mean, similar to you, um, I don't know how people, I don't have a huge Twitter following. I think I have like 3000 something. I don't have a huge Twitter following at all, um, but I get DMs constantly from people saying i want to start a cleaning business how wh how do i do this what should i do um and i'm sure you do too i think my biggest frustration is the fact that people are even asking that question like i think it is so frustrating to me because i like there's so much free material if you want to start a, a service business pick a lane go find somebody on twitter who's tweeting about it guaranteed they have tweeted about here's how i would do this in five steps and go do those five steps. Like, don't overcomplicate it. You don't need a website off the bat. You really just need a phone number. You need a couple of posts on Facebook, like talk to your friends and family and get the business up and running. But your situation is a little bit different, obviously, because you have equipment, right? And that's pretty expensive and that's a much bigger lift. But for me, like it's a cleaning business, right? Like you don't, I didn't, I guess I'm, if you wanna know how much money I've invested in this business, I personally, my personal funds, I have spent $500 on this cleaning business and that's it. That's all I'm out. I spent $500 to set up the website, the LLC, all that stuff. 
everything else is just come from cash flow. So you don't need to go through this huge process, like get a phone number. You don't even need a phone number at the beginning. Like just start telling people, just post on Facebook, find some subcontractors and just get going. But if you're sitting there on Twitter and you're uh, tweeting at me or at Austin and say, hey, how do I do this? Like, I think that's a pretty bad sign because there's so much material out there. And if you just go do it, like you're just going to learn so much more than I could ever teach you, right? Well, and the better question could be for that DM, if you're asking Logan how to start the cleaning business, is like, what, what information is already out there that I could, like, could I follow that you followed to start mm -hmm. that cleaning business? Yeah. And then you could send him Johnny Robinson's tweet. I did, and, yeah, I have, I have quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, and, and so like, it's a valid question, like if people haven't come across that, right? But if they read that and they're still asking you the, how to start the business, it's like, man, all that information is right there. You proved it within a week, you went and got your first customer. I would even argue on my end, you know, you said the equipment, it's not hard. I made a, I made a couple quick calls, figured out the equipment, found an equipment rental place. Like you don't need anything to start the business. Your goal as a business owner is to go sell the work first, yeah. get the contract lined up, and then you can put the inner workings of the business together. Yeah. I, I will tell you this right now, and I'm sure you would agree with me. There is no greater fire than when you sell something and you don't have a way to fulfill it. You figure oh, it out so fast. Dude, yesterday, I had that yesterday. It's crazy. Tell me about that. Yesterday was a, yesterday was a, uh, how do I put this lightly? It was a, it was really crazy yesterday. So, and, um, I mean, I'll just, I'll share really quick, quickly because I know I've talked a lot, but, um, Airbnbs, like I said, you have, you have deadlines, right? You've got customers checking in at four o'clock. So we had yesterday, I was two nights ago, I was went to bed thinking, hey, we've got a great day tomorrow. We've got, we've got four cleans which I know is not much. Like I think my business is probably smaller than a lot of people think it is. Um, but we had four cleans tomorrow. I was feeling really good about it. Um, and three, and they're all same day turnovers. So a same day turnover means you've got a guest checking out at 11 or 10 and you have another guest checking in at four. Okay. So you have six hours. If you start at 10 to change over everything, clean the house, change the linens, set the supplies out, all that stuff, six hours. That's not a lot of time if you're trying to turn over a full house, especially our houses are like 2000 plus square feet. So these are these are big places. Um, I went to bed last night or two nights ago thinking, okay, I feel pretty good about the next day. I think it's gonna go well. First and side note, as a business owner, you are constantly stressing about the next day and the jobs of the next day and what's gonna happen. It's constantly on your mind. So I, I went to bed thinking, feeling pretty good about it. Woke up the next day. I'm in, I'm in Michigan for Christmas. And so we're doing family pictures. And so I'm driving to family pictures. I get a notification on my phone that another cleaning has turned into a same day turn. So I have everything lined up. A customer is now checking in in six hours at a place that I was previously not planning on cleaning. So I've had, I went from having four same day turns to five same day turns. I only have three cleaners working that day. So how am I gonna get, six or five properties done with three cleaners and it just became a total the whole day i was on my phone texting cleaners can we get this done can we get this done by like i don't know the grace of god a miracle we pulled it all off i had one cleaner that did three cleans yesterday and she like she made a lot of money yesterday i did i texted her the numbers yesterday about how much money she made but she like crushed it and so i was so stressed about i had sold this job and I did not have a cleaner to fulfill it. And thankfully, like a, a miracle happened and we were able to get it done. But it's those kind of things as a business owner that like that's a huge fire that you got to put out is you sold that job that customers expecting to have it walk into a clean house or to get that job done. And uh, you got to fulfill. So it was crazy yesterday. But there's not, nothing like it. <laughs> Running a business is something of it. <laughs> you are not. I don't think. Um, it takes a special kind of person to run a clean or to run a business in general because it is you're just putting out fires it's just fire after fire that's really all it is you either thrive under the gun or you don't and yeah. you know from that story i can already tell you you thrive under the gun and so hats off to you i wish you the best of luck in this business is there anything else that you would share with somebody who wants to start a cleaning business 
my biggest piece of advice and you'd probably say the same thing for your land services business is just start just start just get out there and do it um just go tell your friends and family hey i'm starting a cleaning business like just go do it and then like things are going to work out um that's always my biggest piece of advice is if you're if you're thinking about it just go do it like just commit just commit go do it it doesn't have to be cleaning business it could be a window washing business it can be a carpet cleaning business it can be whatever type of business you want to do um but just go start like don't don't overthink it just start cold calling if you have to and and it'll eventually work out you don't need the perfect script you don't need the pricing to be perfect you don't need a website to be perfect just just go out and do it that's that's my uh that's my parting advice for sure cool well thank you for being on the owner operator yeah. podcast logan yeah thanks austin thanks for having me appreciate it where can people find you online uh twitter I, I tweet a lot or I guess X now. Yeah. It's uh, Logan a Robison uh, on Twitter. So yeah, you can find me there. I share a lot about my cleaning business on there. Cool. Well, there you have it folks. Logan Robison cleaning business owner out of Northwest Arkansas. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you in the next episode.